Hello and thank you for tuning in once again to the Reptile Living Room. As always, I am your host, John F. Taylor. And today, in this episode of Interview with an Experts, we sit down with Reed from uh, SoCal Reptiles. Uh, Reed's been working with turtles, tortoises uh, for quite some time, as well as some other uh, breeding projects that he currently has going on. And uh, we find out how Reed got started, uh, where he got his interest in reptiles, the whole nine yards. And uh, he talks to us a lot about the tortoises that he's currently working with, uh, some of the future projects that he has coming up and stuff like that. And, uh, yeah, so I'm just going to turn it over to Reed and uh, enjoy the show. So today we're on the phone with uh, Reed from SoCal Reptiles. And, uh, Reed, we met you at, uh, gosh, was it the L.A. or Anaheim show? I can't remember. Anaheim, uh, NARBC. NARBC, Anaheim show, okay. (laughs) And you've been pretty busy since then, from what I've heard. (laughs) Yeah, <laughs> and yeah. see on the net. So, you know, um, what are you guys breeding these days? I mean, let's start there. Well, uh, main the concentration is probably around tortoises. Um, that's pretty much what got me into reptiles, and that's the majority of, of what I, I keep and really enjoy doing. But um, recently, branching out into the snakes, you know, as most people do, you go to any reptile show, look around. Um, most people breed snakes. Mm-hmm. Um, so uh, we're working with some jungle carpet pythons and then uh, ball pythons. Oh, nice, nice. Now, any specific morphs that you're working with at all, or? Um, well, for the for the ball pythons, we're you know mm-hmm. we're, we're nothing earth shattering here yet. Okay. Um, we only have about thirty, but you know we're expanding every year, trading, you know, purchasing some animals, but um, mostly light stuff. Okay. Um, I don't, I'm, I'm not into exantic or you know cinnamons or, or mm-hmm. dark stuff. So we got the fires pastel. Um, Spider, you know, all cool combos, yellow bellies, you know, mostly light stuff, and um, we have good females with all those, and are you know trying to do some double codon morphs and right. couple, couple recessive things, albinos, um, uh, trying to shoot to make some lavender albinos the hard way by breeding a male head to a normal female, keep all those females, and see if any of them prove out het with the male to just make one. So oh, wow. that's. That's kind of the poor man's way to, to make one, but it'll, it'll be fun. No, definitely, definitely. Mm-hmm. And what kind of uh, tortoise species are you working with now? Because I remember when we saw you, you had at least five that I can remember off the top of my head. Right, yeah. We have quite a few um, here. We, we're using about 13 species right now. Um, we have, you know, starting small, we do the, you know, Russian, Greek, marginated, mm-hmm. herins, you know, all the testudos up to, um, we have sulcata tortoises, too. Oh, okay. Very cool. Mm-hmm. Now, how did you begin, um, how did you start out with reptiles in the first place? I mean, what, what was it about them? You know, did you just go to the pet shop and pick up a turtle one day and just said, this is what I want to do for the rest of my life? Or? <laughs> well, you're, you're, you're actually very close to that, actually. All right. um, uh, a whole bunch of family members had California desert tortoises, as a lot of people in oh. California do. Gotcha. Um, I always liked them, you know, nothing really clicked them, but, you know, I liked them um, and everything. But this one day, you know, went down to Petco with my dad and uh, Russian tortoises on sale, twenty nine ninety nine. Did a little bit of research on them. Um, Sounded pretty cool. I mean, a tortoise that stays eight inch gets eight inches. That's it. Sounds pretty cool. Hibernates in the winter. You know, vegetarian. So picked right. her up and um, took her home and just started learning more. Built her an outdoor pen. And after building an outdoor pen, putting all that time and money into that, we're like, let's just get another one. If we're gonna do this for one. So right. that's uh, that's how it started. And just no turning back after that. So nice. 
that's cool. Yeah. Now, what is uh, what are some of the um, your thoughts on as far as breeding and stuff like that? Do you, are you um, as far as the snakes are concerned? Are you looking at doing any crossbreeding or uh, hybridization at all? Would that be something that you might look at later on? Or um, I, I'm not really into that. I, I don't okay. like crossing all the carpet pythons. Right, right. Um, I I don't want to make the the carp ball. I guess yeah. I, I think I heard, I saw a couple of pictures of that. I mean, I, I'm not really into that. Um, I like being pure, mm-hmm. um, pure bloodline, especially with the tortoises. I mean, uh, you know, people, some people do uh, leocottas, you know, leopard, right. cross. They look interesting, but uh, I just don't feel that it should be done. And um, eventually I'd like to get um, some diamond pythons, which if you're in those, you want pure, pure blood. Right. Most people want just the purest blood, and you want to see papers on them, and you, you just want to make sure there's no jungle or any type of carpet python mm-hmm. thrown in there. So I, I guess that would kind of show that I, I want to be a purist and, and not right. crossbreed anything. Very cool. Now, when did you, uh, or can you even remember that far back, when did you first unlock the secret to breeding the species that you're working with now today? Um... Well, let's see. Um, I first bred Russians in about year 2000. Okay. Um, it took a couple, I mean, at, at the time Russians were, well, I guess they still are, just in, uh, wild caught, imported in just humongous numbers. Right. It's truly, truly horrible. Um, you go to, you know, pet stores now, and they're just over the four-inch mark, you know, to make them legal. Right. and. You're you're not. When, my first one I got was an eight, about an eight inch female, so she was you know prime, ready to go. Right. Um, now you will not find them that big in, in, available in, in pet stores because I think they've wiped them out. But just from that undue stress of being imported, it took my group about two three years to cycle in, if you will, oh, okay. to get used to to get used to being here. So. You know, I got them back in a couple of years before that, in 98, and two years, and they bred in 2000, and I hatched mm-hmm. out um, four four Russians, and um, I have all four of them still. I kept the first clutch. Oh, no four males, Four males, unfortunately, and they fight with each other and meet with each other all day long, but I kind of have a kind of have a personal attachment to those guys and oh, don't want to sure. let them go, let them go, so. Definitely. Yeah, and, um, then, and, and then jungle-wise, uh, right. that that was in uh, 2009. I'm relatively new with the jungles. Oh, okay. And then I bred the um, balls the same year, all types on the same year. Oh, very cool. Now, as far as the uh, reptile litigation and its effect on the industry and you personally, you brought up something that, about the four-inch rule. <laughs> now, I want to clarify something, because I've gone to a couple shows here where I've seen, you know, silver dollar sized aquatic turtles on the tables for sale and they'll have something about the four inch federal law or whatever and I'm like well wait a minute you guys can't sell those what do you I don't how are they doing that that's because that's just driving me nuts yeah <laughs> um well let's just hope that fishing game isn't listening in here yeah. on any of this but um basically the four inch rule was started I believe in the 70s for a salmonella scare. Right. And from what I, obviously I wasn't alive during then, so I just, you know, hear stories and everything of of why, but basically what was going on was (laughs) the the little red-eared slider turtles, like you said, silver dollar size, 
being sold, you know, at, at dime stores for 10 cents, and you get a little, the little tiny palm thing with the little tiny palm tree mm-hmm. in it, um, which I, which a lot of people call the death bowl. Right, um, right. Because they're going to outgrow that thing, and it, it just turns into a whole mess. But basically, the salmonella scare started from that is because, well, those turtles are going to eat and go to the bathroom in that water, and you got to change it. But most of those people weren't changing it. And then when, you know, the little kid comes by and wants to pick up his turtle, his hand's got to go in the water. And uh, so you've got fecal matter, right. um, food floating around in there. Plays with the turtle, puts him back, goes, grabs his sandwich, or just puts his hand in his mouth, and there's right. your salmonella. Okay. There's your salmonella right there. So um, most people, it's, it's an outdated law. Right. A lot of people have been trying to get that reversed, and uh-huh. uh, obviously there's probably bigger issues in government right now. Right, um, right. So they're not really looking at it, but the the way around that is to sell hatching tortoises under four inches as scientific educational purposes. So you you like you said, you see a lot of people at the shows with that sign out saying that, and you know uh-huh. you just kind of just kind of gotta talk to the people and and get a feel of what's going on and say, are you going to use this for scientific or educational purposes? And you hope they say yes. So, oh, okay. I see. Yeah. Okay. But, I just yeah. thought I was crazy because I'm like, you know, at mm-hmm. the shops that I worked at, you know, people would bring in their, you know, f- under four-inch turtles and be like, we just found out this is illegal. Can you take it? And it's like, yeah. you know, we had a group in the back that, you know, we had to keep or give up to um, a couple of turtle rescues because we didn't have any room until they grew up to be, you know, X amount of size, uh, above four inches, and then they could be sold or, you know, mm-hmm. uh, handled or whatever. So that's why right. I, I wanted to ask one of the, you know, turtle experts in the world, <laughs> you know, yeah. okay, what the heck's going on here? Right, 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 okay. right, yeah. But yeah, pet stores sell it, and sometimes, you know, they're going to ask for, you know, a letter or something signed like that just to mm-hmm. search for legal, legal purposes gotcha. to keep on file. Okay. Now, why did you choose reptiles over, you know, cats and rabbits or something like, you know, cute and cuddly? (laughs) Uh, Right, right. I mean, I've always been an animal lover, and and don't get me wrong, I I have the cats, I have the dogs. Oh, nice. Yeah, I'm I'm all around an animal lover, but, um, I mean, reptiles are, are just neat animals. They're just so prehistoric, they're... They're just neat animals. They're, I mean, they're very low maintenance. That's why, that's you know, true. that's why people can have, you know, hundreds, thousands of them and, and be able to take care of them. If you have that many, you know, cats or dogs, you're going to be on animal hoarders. Yeah. So, <laughs> so, so, yeah, it just, it's just they're very low maintenance, and, uh, you know, you can enjoy them. They do well, you know, not being handle all the time, squeeze, they actually prefer not to, but it's, right. at, least, at least with the large tortoises, if you have those out in your backyard, just going out there and watching those guys walk around and graze is, is a pretty relaxing feeling, um, just to watch these majestic things eat like they did, you know, in prehistoric times. You're the second tortoise person that I've heard say that, so I'm going to have to try really? this. Next time I, <laughs> I'm going to find yeah. somebody with some tortoises just so I can go experience this. Because yeah. another tortoise yeah. breeder we've had on the show said the same thing. He's like, dude, you just don't even know how relaxing it is to go out in my yep. backyard and just sit there and watch these things cruise around. Mm-hmm. It's pretty cool. You just feel the stress strip away yeah. after a hard day. So That's awesome. Now, how mm-hmm. many? Um, how big is your facility? I mean, how do you keep, you know, 
the amount of animals that you keep as far as tortoises are concerned. It has to be a pretty large facility, I would presume. Right. I mean, it's a decent-sized backyard, and, and the, the space is optimized to, you know, get the tortoises in there, but not, uh, you know, affect the health of them. You know, they're not on right. top of each other, but um, basically the, the large tortoises, like the sulcatas, you, you know, are, are cinder block pens, so they can't get yeah. out. Um, they have, you know, a heated house to go in at night. Mm -hmm. And then um, some of the smaller tortoises are, are in pens that, you know, have chicken wire on that. So, you know, have any right. birds or raccoons, possums, you know, getting in there. Mm -hmm. um, so I want that. I've, I've seen actually possums out there um, really trying to get in, literally jumping on top of the pens to get in there to <laughs> get to the tortoises. Wow. You, that was good enough for me to always say predator-proof pens because, they, yeah. will, they will get in there, so. Oh, man. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah, that would not be good to wake up in the morning and, you know, half your tortoise population has just yeah. decided to take a hike. No, no. Now, is there anything, any specific advice, say like three key points that you would give to someone that is just super enthusiastic about turtles and, or tortoises um, as far as, you know, let's say they want to get into it and um, start breeding them, you know, what would be three key points that you would make to them as far as, you know, before you even buy your first tortoise, what would you recommend? Okay. Um, number one, research, research, research. I mean, Thank learn you. what you're, yeah, learn what you're getting into. If you're going online and you're, you're going to, if you Google cheapest captive bred tortoise you can buy, Sulcata tortoise is going to pop up. But that wow. is not the perfect choice for everyone. Um, if you live in an apartment, uh, Sulcata is probably not your best choice. Yeah. That, will go, that will go right through your drywall into your, the tenant living next door. Yeah. So um, do, do some research and, and find out what you're getting into um, for apartment living. You know, a Russian tortoise, like I mentioned, great right. animals, eight inches max, maybe eight and a half for a humongous female. Uh, right. The males are way smaller, even five inches, so that's very doable. Actually, any of the test, any of the testudos, mm -hmm. besides the marginated tortoise, they get about twelve inches. But any of the Greeks or Hermans, I mean, they're going to be right around that eight-inch mark. So, um, another key point: um, just, just stick with one species initially if you want to start oh, okay. breeding. See, see if you can handle breeding that one. That's what I did. I only had the Russian tortoises for quite a while. And then when those started breeding for me, I did, went back to, I guess, key point number one, research, research, right. and found out, oh, Greeks and Herman's tortoises are really similar to these guys. Maybe I can invest this money from selling these hatchling Russians into this and see if I can branch out and start another um, breeding project with a different species. So that's what I did. Those, okay. you know, kind of pay off, and you're like, okay, well, maybe I'll try something different. So I went for the redfoot tortoise which is, oh. you know, more tropical, needed something so cool. a little, yeah, little, little different. Um, and, you know, got those to breed. Just actually had three hatch a couple of weeks ago. Really? Nice. So, yep. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Very cool. Now, something else that um, has always amazed me about specifically tortoise breeders, um, you know, it's not like a snake where, you know, they just pump out, you know, just babies after babies after babies after babies. It's like, Okay, they bred now, and it just seems like such a long time span, you know, between mating and dropping the eggs and hatching. It's like, it just seems so long. 
how long is yeah. it actually for you know for you know the whole process I guess of breeding? What would you say? Would it, is it a full cycle year or is it more than that? That's a tough question. Um, I mean, I know it depends on the species yeah. too, but right, you know, right. It's like a generalization. I, right. Um, for the redfoot tortoises, a tropical one. For some reason, those lay breed and lay eggs in the winter. For me here, really? then all the other then all the other guys, um, like the Russians, all the hibernating tortoises. You know, those are going to wake up March, April, and right. start mating, and maybe start laying eggs. Um, in June, I actually I actually just got Russian eggs last week too. Oh, so okay. you know, some some can come out and meet and be laying eggs within a month or two. Wow! But but you're usually looking at them, you know, laying a clutch during the summer, and the Russians can lay you know three, two to three clutches, sometimes even more. Wow! So, <clears throat> but it, it, it's not easy. It's not easy, like you said, breeding them. The snake the snake people have it. Uh, well, I guess I'm a snake person too, but they have it easy. They can see an ovulation. They can see. You that's know, what I'm saying. Is like you know. Yeah. I mean, I see all this stuff on you know um, coming across the social network. You know, we're doing you know echograms or I don't even remember what the proper term is for it, but they're basically mm -hmm. you know doing the whole um, pregnancy thing, looking at ovulations and things in their snakes oh, yeah. with all this technology. With the, with the ultrasound. Yeah, ultrasound. ultrasound. Thank you. Yeah. That's mm -hmm. what I was looking for. You know, they're like, mm -hmm. oh, yeah, we're ultra, ultrasounding 5,000 snakes. And I'm like, what? <laughs> yeah. That's cheating. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> That's not fair. Definitely. <laughs> You're not going to get any hints from a tortoise on that. They got that huge shell going all the way around them. Yeah. Um, you just got to make sure you're you're out there and always checking late afternoon mm -hmm. to see if anybody's digging a hole. Oh, okay. Um, and even if you go and come back, you got to make sure you know where they're digging because they're really good at camouflaging their nest. Oh, okay. So they'll even erase their footprint sometimes, so then you're in big trouble. got to remember where it is. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> that yeah. would not be good. Yeah. <laughs> yep. I, I know I've missed, especially the Herman's tortoises, I know I miss clutches. I think I missed them a couple weeks because the female was digging. Mm -hmm. um, she walked away from it and started eating or something and I haven't seen her laying since but I know she she probably did so oh, wow. I've actually had I've actually uh, found uh, Herman's baby in the pen so I know they can hatch here naturally oh wow so. that's cool mm -hmm. that is totally cool mm -hmm. now um, as far as looking at the future um, you know person with SoCal with SoCal reptiles and you know all the expansion that you guys are doing currently where do you guys see yourself in, you know, in the next shows? And, you know, what do we, what is, is there an end game so far that you're looking at? Or are you just going to keep going and, you know, keep expanding? Um, I, I'd like to expand a little more. Like I mentioned, I want to get the, the diamond pipe on. Mm -hmm. But, but I like the, I like the species I work with. I mean, there's a couple more tortoise species I like to get and add some more to my groups. But, okay. um, it, for at least for the tortoises, it'd be pretty my goal would to have be have a pretty much a close collection someday where, you know, I have enough animals for all the species I have. I have all the species I have where I can, you know, stop um, adding more animals to the group. Because, mm -hmm. every, I mean, even from the, the, health, the healthiest animal, you know, physically, um, it's always a risk bringing another animal into your collection. Right. Um, even with good quarantine uh, practices, you know, um, one animal could wipe out. So... 
if you're ever to the point where you have what you need and you don't need to bring another one in, that's probably a good feeling because you don't have to worry about anything coming in, right. um, virus or bacteria-wise. Exactly. Now, in your opinion, what would be the hard, what would you say is the hardest thing about being successful in the reptile industry? You got to get your name out there. You got to know who people. You got the sorry. You got to get uh, people to recognize you. Mm-hmm. Um, you basically need to advertise. Okay. Um, but the shows are a really good um, place to be. You know, you talk to a whole bunch of people. You know, we talked to met you. Oh yeah, there. definitely. Uh, just you know, tons of people are going to come through there. You know, have business cards out. Um, you know, they might not buy anything right there, but, you know, when they're looking, hey, I'm ready to get a ball python, if they have that card there, they're going to probably give you a call. Right. So, um, and, and just make sure you have a good reputation, have good customer service, and, you know, customer service goes a long way. Right. And that's an important thing, and they're going to tell their friends, and their friends will tell their friends, and um, just got to make sure you stand behind your animals. Mm-hmm. Um, Basically, like that. Basically, you just need to advertise in a good way. Yeah, <laughs> definitely. Mm-hmm. Now, what are your, uh, what would you say are the biggest risks uh, when first starting out in this industry? Um, you mean financially, money wise, or uh, either or. What either were or. Some, what were some of the biggest things that you ran into when you said, you know, okay, look, this is what I want to do now? Mm-hmm. What were some of the risk factors you that you personally took into account? Right. Um, I mean. It's expensive to yeah. keep these guys. Um, it, you know, it's expensive to feed them, especially when you're feeding a whole bunch of, you know, vegeta- well, you got a whole bunch of, you kind of have to have a whole bunch of food to feed all the tortoises and right. rats and mice for uh, the <clears throat> snakes, got up cages, um, not to mention the electricity. I mean, it's a huge startup cost. Yeah, um, and that's something people- I don't think that, you know, a lot of people, you know, actually take into account when they, you know, say, oh, I'm just going to go breed some snakes. Yep. Okay, yeah, but you got to feed them snakes, and those rats and mm-hmm. mice cost, you know, two, three bucks a pop, and, mm-hmm. you know, it adds yep. up really quickly. Yep, yep, and the cage is going to cost more than oh the snakes. Oh, my gosh, so. yeah. So, yeah, you just got to, you know, um, be prepared to take a little a little blow at the beginning if you're going to produce on a somewhat moderate scale. Right. Um, if you're going to buy, you know, five feet female normal ball pythons for, you know, let's say they're adults and you get them all for 400 bucks, now you got to buy the rack that's going to be probably about 500 bucks. Yeah. Um, for a decent sized rack. Then you got to buy probably a thermostat. If you're going to get a good one, that's going to run 100 to 300 bucks. Right. So right there you're already in the hole and you haven't even fed them yet. Yeah. So. Exactly. <laughs> so, yeah, just be prepared and, uh, you know, be educated if you're if you're going to go in it, try to um, make some money, which is not the that's not a good reason to get into this industry. You got to do what you exactly. love. Um, you got to do what you're doing because you love the animals, and if you make some money, that should just be a bonus. But you should go into this being prepared to make nothing or breaking even, right. um, and and be happy with breaking even. That that's that that's fine. I mean, I enjoy what I'm doing and. Um, I don't want to exploit these these animals. They're you know they're awesome animals, and um, even if, if the you know market crashed and it became um, illegal to sell any type of reptile, knock mm-hmm. on wood, I, knock on wood on that one. But um, I would do everything within my power to keep the collection I have right now, mm-hmm. um, and just take care of them as long as I can. 
Yeah, that's one thing Bob Applegate said. You know, he's been he was doing it. How did he say it? He was doing it before they were making money. He's been doing it since they were making money. And he'll be doing it when it's not making money still. Right. <laughs> you know, so it's like you're in it for the long haul. That's awesome. Now, um, before we let you go, um, do you guys have a website up? Yes, we do. Um, you do? Okay. It, it's SoCalReptiles.com. Okay. Um, we're, I'm working on making a new one, so it's a little outdated information, but, okay. you know, there's contact information on there, species list we're working with. But, okay. Um, hopefully get a new website up here running soon. I'm doing all the work on the website, so oh, it's cool. kind of kind of as I get time to do it. So. Oh, I know um, that feeling. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I hear you. <laughs> yeah. So that's SoCalReptiles.com. Okay? And then what we'll do is we'll put a note, uh, put a link in the show notes. And, uh, of course, before we let you go, we always like to all, um, ask all of our uh, guests on the show, um, if money was no object and you know, you had all the facilities you needed, what would be the ultimate reptile that you would keep? Um, if you haven't easy, already. Uh, yeah, pretty easy uh, um, choice on that one. Definitely an adult group of Galapagos tortoises. Oh, okay. Um, I, I think I heard Tyler Stewart say that on your show, too. Yeah. I mean, it doesn't get any cooler than seeing those huge guys um, walk around. You go to San Diego Zoo, you know, where they have a whole bunch, and just oh, walk yeah. and watch them walk around. It, it's, it's pretty neat. Um, so yeah, he, that would definitely be it, and um, I don't see that ever happening because it's a huge investment to get into them. Yeah, to have a Volkswagen a cruise land. around your backyard, you know? Yeah, yeah, right. Yeah, but, well, that's awesome. Now, uh, when's the next show uh, that you that we can find you at, or when our listeners can find you at? Right, um, tentatively maybe the August um, Pomona Reptile Super Show. At oh, okay. Awesome. Um, 6th and 7th of August. Right. Um, well, that's kind of up in the air right now, but okay. if we don't show up at that one, uh, for sure at the Anaheim NARBC. Okay. Um, September 3rd and 4th. Awesome. Awesome. And once again, we're on, uh, on the line with Reed from uh, SoCal Reptiles, and uh, you've heard it. You can find it at SoCalReptiles.com, as well as the uh, NARBC show in September, and potentially the August LA show. So, now, um, other than ball pythons, um, the jungle carpets, and the multi-species <laughs> multi of tortoise breeding, yeah, you're looking at getting into diamonds pretty soon, you said? Diamond pythons, yes. Diamond pythons, very cool. Mm -hmm. Awesome. Okay, and there you have it. That was uh, Reed from SoCal Reptiles. Uh, do us a favor, check out his website, SoCalReptiles.com. Once again, SoCalReptiles.com. And, of course, it'll be in the uh, show notes there. And uh, please do visit our sponsors page, folks. Uh, these people really helped us out a lot by promoting the show. Um, helped us out just, you know, being patrons of the show themselves. And uh, really could use your help with checking them out. Uh, it's Marsh McGinnis uh, at Golden Gate Geckos, as well as um, Las Vegas Reptile Show at GetReptiles.com. So do leave us some uh, comments in the blogs and uh, in the show notes, what have you. And we look forward to seeing you next week in the Reptile Living Room. So today we're on the phone with uh, Reed from SoCal Reptiles. And, uh, Reed, we met you at, uh, gosh, was it the L.A. or Anaheim show? I can't remember. Anaheim, uh, NARBC. NARBC, Anaheim show, okay. <laughs> and you've been pretty busy since then, from what I've heard. Yeah, <laughs> And yeah. see you on the net. So, you know, um, what are you guys breeding these days? I mean, let's start there. Well, uh... Main the concentration is probably around tortoises. Um, that's 
pretty much what got me into reptiles, and that's the majority of, of what I, I keep and really enjoy doing. But um, recently branching out into the snakes, you know, as most people do, you go to any reptile show, look around. Um, most people breed snakes. Mm-hmm. Um, so uh, we're working with some jungle carpet pythons and then uh, ball pythons. Oh, nice, nice. Now, any specific morphs that you're working with at all, or...? Um, well, for the for the ball pythons, we're you know mm-hmm. we're, we're nothing earth shattering here yet. Okay. Um, we only have about thirty, but you know we're expanding every year, trading, you know, purchasing some animals, but um, mostly light stuff. Okay. Um, I don't, I'm, I'm not into exantic or you know cinnamons or, or mm-hmm. dark stuff. So we got the fires pastel, um, spider, you know, all cool combos, yellow bellies, you know, mostly light stuff and. Um, we have good females with all those and are, you know, trying to do some double codon morphs and right. a couple of, couple of recessive things, albinos, um, uh, trying to shoot to make some lavender albinos the hard way by breeding a male head to a normal female, keep all those females and see if any of them prove out het with the male to just make one. So oh, wow. that's, that's kind of the poor man's way to, to make one, but it'll, it'll be fun. No, definitely, definitely. Mm-hmm. And what kind of uh, tortoise species are you working with now? Because I remember when we saw you, you had at least five that I can remember off the top of my head. Right, yeah. We have quite a few um, here. We, we're using about 13 species right now. Um, we have, you know, starting small, we do the, you know, Russian, Greek, marginated, mm-hmm. herons, you know, all the testudos up to, um, we have sulcata tortoises, too. Oh, okay. Very cool. Mm-hmm. Now, how did you begin... Um, how did you start out with reptiles in the first place? I mean, what, what was it about them? You know, did you just go to the pet shop and pick up a turtle one day and just said, this is what I want to do for the rest of my life? Or? <laughs> well, you're, you're, you're actually very close to that, actually. Right. Um, uh, a whole bunch of family members had California desert tortoises, as a lot of people in oh. California do. Gotcha. Um, I always liked them, you know, and nothing really clicked them, but, you know, I, I liked them um, and everything, but... Just one day, you know, went down to Petco with my dad and uh, Russian tortoises on sale, twenty nine ninety nine. Did a little bit of research on them. Um, sounded pretty cool. I mean, a tortoise that stays eight inch gets eight inches. That's it. Sounds pretty cool. Hibernates in the winter. You know, vegetarian. So picked right. her up and um, took her home and just started learning more. Built her an outdoor pen and after building an outdoor pen, putting all that time and money into that, we're like. Just get another one. If we're gonna do this for one, so right. that's uh, that's how it started, and just no turning back after that. So nice, yeah. <laughs> that's cool. Yeah. Now, what is uh, what are some of the um, your thoughts on as far as breeding and stuff like that? Are you um, as far as the snakes are concerned? Are you looking at doing any crossbreeding or uh, hybridization at all? Would that be something that you might look at later on, or? Um. Uh, I'm not really into that. I, I don't okay. like crossing all the carpet pythons. Right, right. Um, I, I don't want to make the, the carp ball. I guess yeah. I, I, I think I heard, I saw a couple of pictures of that. I mean, I, I'm not really into that. Um, I like being pure, mm-hmm. um, pure bloodline, especially with the tortoises. I mean, uh, you know, people. some people do uh, leocottas, you know, leopard, right. leocotta cross. They look interesting, but uh, I just don't feel that it should be done, and I'm Eventually, I'd like to get um, some diamond pythons, which if you're in those, you want pure, pure blood. Right. Most people want just the purest blood, and you want to see papers on them, and you, you just want to make sure there's no jungle or any type of carpet python mm-hmm. thrown in there. So I, I guess that would 
kind of shows that I, I want to be a purist and, and not right. crossbreed anything. Very cool. Now, when did you, uh, or can you even remember that far back, when did you first unlock the secret to breeding the species that you're working with now today? Um, well, let's see. Um, I first bred Russians in about year 2000. Okay. Um, it took a couple, I mean, at, at the time Russians were, well, I guess they still are, just in, uh, wild caught, imported in just humongous numbers. Right. It's truly, truly horrible. Um, you go to, you know, pet stores now, and they're just over the four-inch mark, you know, to make them legal. Right. And you're, you're not. When, my first one I got was an eight, about an eight-inch female, so she was, you know, prime, ready to go. Right. Um, now you will not find them that big in, in, available in, in pet stores because I think they've wiped them out. But just from that undue stress of being imported, it took my group about two, three years to cycle in, if you will, oh, okay. to, get used to, to get used to being here. So, you know, I got them back in a couple of years before that in 98 and two years, and they bred in 2000, and I hatched mm -hmm. out um, four, four Russians, and um, I have all four of them still. I kept the first clutch. Oh, no four males. Four males, unfortunately, and they fight with each other and meet with each other all day long. But right. um, I'm kind of have a kind of have a personal attachment to those guys and oh, don't want to sure. let them go. Let them go. So definitely. Yeah, now, and, um, then, and, and then jungle wise, uh, right? That that was in uh, 2009. I'm relatively new with the jungles, oh, okay. and then I bred the um, balls the same year. All fights on the same year. Oh, very cool. Now, as far as the uh, reptile litigation and its effect on the industry and you personally, you brought up something that, about the four-inch rule. <clears throat> now, I want to clarify something, because I've gone to a couple shows here where I've seen, you know, silver dollar-sized aquatic turtles on the tables for sale, and they'll have something about the four-inch federal law or whatever, and I'm like, well, wait a minute, you guys can't sell those. What are you, I don't, how are they doing that? Because that's, that's just driving me nuts. Yeah. Um, well, let's just hope that fishing game isn't listening in here yeah. on any of this. But um, basically, the four-inch rule was started, I believe, in the seventies for yeah. uh, salmonella scare. Right. And from what I obviously I wasn't alive during then, so I have just you know hear stories and right. everything of, of why. But basically, what was going on was the, the little red-eared slider turtles, like you said, silver dollar size, being sold. You know, at, at dime stores for ten cents, and you get a little, the little tiny palm thing with a little tiny palm tree mm -hmm. in it, um, which I, which a lot of people call the death bowl, right? Um, right. Because they're going to outgrow that thing, and it, it just turns in a whole mess. But basically, the salmonella scare started from that is because, well, those turtles are going to eat and go to the bathroom in that water, and you got to change it. But most of those people weren't changing it, and then when you know, the little kid comes by, wants to pick up his turtle. His hand's got to go in the water. And uh, so you've got fecal matter, right. um, food floating around in there. Plays with the turtle, puts him back, goes, grabs his sandwich, or just puts his hand in his mouth, and there's right. your salmonella. Okay. There's your salmonella right there. So um, most people, it's, it's an outdated law. Right. A lot of people have been trying to get that reversed. And uh -huh. uh, obviously there's probably a bigger issues in government right now right, um, right so they're not really looking at it but the the way around that is to 
sell hatching tortoises under four inches as scientific educational purposes. So you, you like you said, you see a lot of people at the shows with that sign out saying that, and you know, uh-huh. you just kind of, just kind of got to talk to the people and, and get a feel of what's going on and say, are you going to use this for scientific or educational purposes? And you hope they say yes. So, oh, okay, I see. Yeah. Okay, but, I just yeah. thought I was crazy because I'm like, you know, at mm-hmm. the shops that I worked at, you know, people would bring in their, you know, f- under four inch turtles and be like, we just found out this is illegal, can you take it? And it's like, yeah. you know, we had a group in the back that, you know, we had to keep or give up to um, a couple of turtle rescues because we didn't have any room until they grew up to be, you know, X amount of size, uh, above four inches and then they could be sold or, you know, mm-hmm. uh, handled or whatever. So that's why right. I, I wanted to ask one of the, you know, turtle experts in the world, <laughs> you know, yeah. okay, what the heck's going on here? Right, 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 okay. right, yeah. But yeah, pet stores sell it, and sometimes, you know, they're going to ask for, you know, a letter or something signed like that just to mm-hmm. search for legal legal purposes gotcha. keep on file. Okay. Now, why did you tr- choose reptiles over, you know, cats and rabbits or something like, you know, cute and cuddly? <laughs> uh, Right, right. I mean, I've always been an animal lover, and, and don't get me uh, wrong, I, I have the cats, I have the dogs. Oh, nice. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm all around an animal lover, but, um, I mean, reptiles are, are just neat animals. They're just so prehistoric. They're they're just neat animals. They're, I mean, they're very low maintenance. That's why, that's you true. know, that's why people can have, you know, hundreds, thousands of them and, and be able to take care of them. If you have that many, you know, cats or dogs, you're going to be on animal hoarders. Yeah, so, exactly. So, <laughs> so, yeah, it just, it's just they're very low maintenance, and, uh, you know, you can enjoy them. They do well, you know, not being handled all the time, squeezed. They actually prefer not to, but it's... Right. At least, at least with the large tortoises, if you have those out in your backyard, just going out there and watching those guys walk around and graze is, is a pretty relaxing feeling. Um, just to watch these majestic things eat like they did, you know, in prehistoric times. You're the second tortoise person that I've heard say that, so I'm going to have to try really? this. Next time I... <laughs> I'm going to find yeah. somebody with some tortoises just so I can go experience this. Yeah. Because another tortoise yeah. breeder we've had on the show said the same thing. He's like, dude, you just don't even know how relaxing it is to go out in my yep. backyard and just sit there and watch these things cruise around. Mm-hmm. It's pretty cool. You just feel the stress drip away yeah. after a hard day, so... That's awesome. Now, how many, um, how big is your facility? I mean, how do you keep, you know, the amount of animals that you keep as far as tortoises are concerned? It has to be a pretty large facility, I would presume. Right. I mean, it's a decent-sized backyard, and, and the, the space is optimized to, you know, get the tortoises in there, but not, uh, you know, affect the health of them. You know, they're not on right. top of each other, but... Um, Basically, the, the large tortoises, like the sulcatas, you, you know, are, are cinder block pens, so they can't get yeah. out. Um, they have, you know, a heated house to go in at night. Mm-hmm. And then um, some of the smaller tortoises are, are in pens that, you know, have chicken wire on that, so you don't have any right. birds or raccoons, possums, you know, getting in there. Mm-hmm. Um, so I want that. I've, I've seen, actually, a possums out there. Um, really trying to get in, literally jumping on top of the pens to get in there to get to the tortoises. Wow. You, that was good enough for me to always say predator-proof pens because they, yeah. will, they will get in there. So. Oh, man. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, that would not be good to wake up in the morning and, you know, 
half your tortoise population has just yeah. decided to take a hike. No, no. Now, is there anything, any specific advice, say like three key points that you would give to someone that is just super enthusiastic about turtles and, or tortoises? Um, as far as, you know, let's say they want to get into it and um, start breeding them, you know, what would be three key points that you would make to them as far as, you know, before you even buy your first tortoise, what would you recommend? Okay. Um, number one, research, research, research. I mean, Thank learn you. <laughs> what you're, yeah, learn what you're getting into. If you're going online and you're, you're going to, if you Google cheapest captive red tortoise you can buy, Focata tortoise is going to pop up. But that wow. is not the perfect choice for everyone. Um, if you live in an apartment, uh, Focata is probably not your best choice. Yeah. That, will go, that will go right through your drywall into your, the tenant living next door. Yeah. So um, do do some research and, and find out what you're getting into um, for apartment living. You know, a Russian tortoise, like I mentioned, great right. animals, eight inches max, maybe eight and a half for a humongous female. Uh, right. The males are way smaller, even five inches, so that's very doable. Actually, any of the test any of the testudos, mm-hmm. besides the marginated tortoise, they get about 12 inches, but any of the Greeks or Hermans, I mean, they're going to be right around that 8-inch mark. So, um, another key point, um, just, just stick with one species initially if you want to start oh, okay. breeding. See, see if you can handle breeding that one. That's what I did. I only had the Russian tortoises for quite a while, and then when those started breeding for me, I did, went back to, I guess, key point number one, research, research, right. and found out, oh, Greeks and Hermes tortoises are really similar to these guys. Maybe I can invest this money from selling these hatchling Russians into this and see if I can branch out and start another um, breeding project with a different species. So that's what I did. Those, okay. you know, kind of pay off, and you're like, okay, well, maybe I'll try something different. So I went for the red foot tortoise, which is, oh. you know, more tropical, needed this something so cool. <laughs> little little different um and you know got those to breed just actually had three hatch a couple of weeks ago really nice so, yeah mm-hmm. very cool now something else that um has always amazed me about specifically tortoise breeders um you know it's not like a snake where you know they just pump out you know just babies after babies after babies after babies it's like okay they bred now and it just seems like such a long time span, between you know, between mating and dropping the eggs and hatching. It's like, it just seems so long. How long is yeah. it actually for you know, for you know, the whole process? I guess of breeding. What would you say? Would it, is it a full cycle year or is it more than that? That's a tough question. Um, I mean, I know it depends on the species yeah. too, but right, you know, right. it's like a generalization. I, right. Um, for the redfoot tortoises, the tropical ones, for some reason those lay breed and lay eggs in the winter. For me here, really? then all the other, then all the other guys, um, like the Russians, all the hibernating tortoises. You know, those are going to wake up March, April, and right. start mating, and maybe start laying eggs um, in June. I actually, I actually just got Russian eggs last week too. Oh, so okay. you know, some some can come out and mate and be laying eggs within a month or two. Wow. But but you're usually looking at them, you know, laying a clutch during the summer and the Russians can lay, you know, three two to three clutches, sometimes even more. Wow. So yeah. 
it's not easy. It's not easy, like you said, breeding them. The snake, the snake people have it. Uh, well, I guess I'm a snake person too, but they have it easy. They can see an ovulation. They can see. That's know, what I'm saying. Is like you know. Yeah. I mean, I see all this stuff on you know um, coming across the social network. You know, we're doing you know echograms or I don't even remember what the proper term is for it, but they're basically mm-hmm. you know doing the whole um, pregnancy thing, looking at ovulations and things in their snakes oh, yeah. with all this technology. With, with ultrasound, yeah. Ultrasound, ultrasound. thank you. Yeah. That's what I was looking for. You know, they're like, mm-hmm. oh, yeah, we're ultra, ultrasounding 5,000 snakes. I'm like, what? <laughs> yeah. That's cheating. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> That's not fair. Definitely. <laughs> You're not going to get any hints from a tortoise on that. They got that huge shell going all the way around them. Yeah. Um, you just got to make sure you're you're out there and always checking late afternoon mm-hmm. to see if anybody's digging a hole. Oh, okay. um, and even if you go and come back, you got to make sure you know where they're digging because they're really good at camouflaging their nest. Oh, okay. So they'll even erase their footprint sometimes, so then you're in big trouble. got to remember where it is. Wow. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that yeah. would not be good. Yeah. <laughs> Yep, I, I know I've missed, especially the Herman's tortoises, I know I miss clutches. I think I missed one a couple of weeks because the female was digging. Mm-hmm. Um, she walked away from it and started eating or something, and I haven't seen her laying since, but I know she, she probably did. So oh, wow. I've actually, hatched, I've actually uh, found uh, Herman's baby in the pen, so I know they can hatch here naturally. Oh, wow, so. that's cool. Mm-hmm. That is totally cool. Mm-hmm. Now, um, <clears throat> as far as looking at the future, um, you know, person with SoCal, with SoCal Reptiles and, you know, all the expansion that you guys are doing currently, where do you guys see yourself in, you know, in the next shows? And, you know, what do we, what is, is there an end game so far that you're looking at? Or are you just going to keep going and, you know, keep expanding? Um, I, I'd like to expand a little more. Like I mentioned, I want to get the, the diamond python. on. Mm-hmm. But but I like the I like the species I work with. I mean, there's a couple more tortoise species I like to get and add some more to my groups. But okay. um, it, for at least for the tortoises, it'd be it'd, my goal would to have be have a pretty much a close collection someday where you know I have enough animals for all the species I have. I have all the species I have where I can you know stop um, adding more animals to the group because mm-hmm. every I mean even from the the health the healthiest animal. You know, physically, um, it's always a risk bringing another animal into your collection. Right. Um, even with good quarantine uh, practices, you know, um, one animal could wipe out. So if you're ever to the point where you have what you need and you don't need to bring another one in, that's probably a good feeling because you don't have to worry about anything coming in. Right. Um, virus or bacteria-wise. Exactly. Now, in your opinion, what would be the hard, what would you say is the hardest thing about being successful in the reptile industry? You got to get your name out there. You got to know who people. You got the sorry. You got to get uh, people to recognize you. Mm-hmm. Um, you basically need to advertise. Okay. Um, but the shows are a really good um, place to be. You know, you talk to a whole bunch of people. You know, we talked and met you there. Oh yeah, there. definitely. Uh, just you know, tons of people are going to come through there. You know, have business cards out. Um, you know, they might not buy anything right there, but, you know, when they're looking, hey, I'm ready to get a ball python, if they have that card there, they're going to probably give you a call. Right. So, um, and, and just make sure you have a good reputation, have good customer service, and, you know, customer service goes a long way. 
Right. And that's an important thing, and they're going to tell their friends, and their friends will tell their friends. And um, just got to make sure and stand behind your animals. Mm -hmm. um, basic like that. Basically, you just need to advertise in a good way. Yeah, <laughs> definitely. Mm -hmm. Now, what are your, uh, what would you say are the biggest risks uh, when first starting out in this industry? Um, I mean, financially, money-wise, or? Uh, either or. What were, some, what were some of the biggest things you ran into when you said, you know, okay, look, this is what I want to do now? Mm -hmm. What were some of the risk factors you that you personally took into account? Right. Um, I mean, it, it's expensive yeah. to keep these guys. Um, it, you know, it's expensive to feed them, especially when you're feeding a whole bunch of, you know, well, you got a whole bunch of kind of have to have a whole bunch of food to feed all the tortoises and right. rats and mice for uh, the <clears throat> snakes. Got up cages. Um, not to mention the electricity. I mean, it's a huge startup cost. Yeah, um, and that's something people... I don't think that, you know, a lot of people, you know, actually take into account when they, you know, say, oh, I'm just going to go breed some snakes. Yep. Okay, yeah, but you got to feed them snakes, and those rats and mm -hmm. mice cost, you know, two, three bucks a pop, and, mm -hmm. you know, it adds yep. up really quickly. <laughs> yep, yep, and the cage is going to cost more than oh the snakes. Oh, my gosh, so. yeah. So, yeah, you just got to, you know... Um, be prepared to take a little a little blow at the beginning if you're going to produce on a somewhat moderate scale. Right. Um, if you're going to buy, you know, five feet female normal ball pythons for, you know, let's say they're adults and you get them all for 400 bucks, now you got to buy the rack that's going to be probably about 500 bucks. Yeah. Um, for a decent-sized rack. Then you got to buy probably a thermostat. If you're going to get a good one, that's going to run 100 to 300 bucks. Right. So... Right there, you're already in the hole, and you haven't even fed them yet. Yeah, so. exactly. <laughs> so yeah, just be prepared and uh, you know be educated. If you're if you're going to go in it, try to um, make some money, which is not the that's not a good reason to get into this industry. You got to do what you exactly. love. Exactly. Um, you got to do what you're doing because you love the animals, and if you make some money, that should just be a bonus. But you should go into this being prepared to make nothing or breaking even right. um, and, and be happy with breaking even. That, that's that, that's fine. I mean, I enjoy what I'm doing and um, I don't want to exploit these, these animals. They're, you know, they're awesome animals and um, even if, if the, you know, market crashed and it became um, illegal to sell any type of reptile, knock mm -hmm. on wood, I, knock on wood on that one, but um, I would do everything within my power to keep the collection I have right now mm -hmm. um, and just take care of them as long as I can. Yeah, that's one thing Bob Applegate said, you know, is he's been, he was doing it, how did he say it, he was doing it before they were making money, he's been doing it since they were making money, and he'll be doing it when it's not making money still. Right. <laughs> you know, mm -hmm. so it's like, you're in it for the long haul, that's awesome. Now, mm -hmm. um, before we let you go, um, do you guys have a website up? Yes, we do. Um, do okay. it, it's SoCalReptiles.com. Okay. Um, we're I'm working on making a new one, so it's a little outdated information. But okay. you know, there's contact information on there, species lists we're working with. But, okay. Um, ho hopefully, get a new website up here running soon. I I'm doing all the work on the website, so oh, it's cool. kind of kind of as I get time to do it. So. Oh, I know um, that feeling. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I hear you. <laughs> yeah. So that's SoCalReptiles.com. Okay, Correct. and then what we'll do is we'll put a note, uh, put a link in the show notes, and uh, of course, before we let you go, we always like to all, um, ask all of our uh, guests on the show, um, 
if money was no object and you know you had all the facilities you needed, what would be the ultimate reptile that you would keep? Um, if you haven't easy, already, uh, yeah, pretty easy uh, um, choice on that one. Definitely an adult group of Galapagos tortoises. Oh, okay. Um, I think I heard Tyler Stewart say that on your show, too. Yeah. I mean, it doesn't get any cooler than seeing those huge guys um, walk around. You go to San Diego Zoo, you know, where they have a whole bunch, and just oh, walk yeah. and watch them walk around. It's it's pretty neat. Um, so, yeah, he, that would definitely be it, and um, I don't see that ever happening because it's a huge <laughs> investment to get into them. You got to have a Volkswagen cruiser around your backyard, you know? <laughs> yeah, yeah, right. Yeah. But, well, that's awesome. Now, uh, when's the next show uh, that you that we can find you at, or when our listeners can find you at? Right. Um, tentatively, maybe the August um, Pomona Reptile Super Show. At oh, that okay. Late Fair, um, awesome. 6th and 7th of August. Right. Um, well, that's kind of up in the air right now, but okay. if we don't show up at that one, uh, for sure at the Anaheim NARBC. Okay. Um, September 3rd and 4th. Awesome. Awesome. And once again, we're on, uh, on the line with Reed from uh, SoCal Reptiles, and uh, you've heard it. You can find it at SoCalReptiles.com, as well as the uh, NARBC show in September, and potentially the August LA show. So now, um, other than ball pythons, um, the jungle carpets, and the multi <laughs> multi species of tortoise breeding, yeah, you're looking at getting into diamonds pretty soon. You said. Diamond pythons, yes. Diamond pythons, very cool. Mm -hmm. Awesome. All right, well, I'm going to go ahead and end the recording.